to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. Episode number 88 for you this week, a special Monday edition of Husker Sports Weekly, and we have a lot to talk about this week. As always, we'll talk about our jobs and updates on that. We'll talk about off-season for Nebraska football and baseball and all things Huskers. We will also talk about the College World Series because there's a lot of exciting stuff happening just 45 minutes up the road, and we may even get into some NBA Finals slash Stanley Cup Final topics towards the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. But before we get into any of that, Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen 15 underscore Hansen. You can find our show at Husker Weekly on Twitter and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. So let's get into today's episode number 88. We're actually pretty close to 100 when you come to think about it. We may hit 100 before the first week of the football season, depending on how things go here. So uh, let's kick it off with, well, we're recording on a Monday, so that's new. And it's partially because of our schedules and just not lining up. And the Salt Dogs are finally out of town, so I get a week off, so I'm actually able to do this for once. And they just wrapped up a three-game series in Canada against the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. They took one of three because they can't bring like half their roster over the border because of COVID vaccination rules, and some of the guys don't have their vaccine cards. So that's the thing. So it makes it that much harder to play up in Winnipeg for those who you know, weren't aware of the rule. Um, so they lost the first two games with a one yesterday, seven to nothing, and then they're down in Sioux Falls for three games, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then they're back in Lincoln. If you're looking for something to do on Friday, it's Fireworks Friday uh, against the Winnipeg Gold Eyes once again. Um, so make sure to come on out for uh, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. And then they have four against Kane County, which is in the Chicagoland area, the Cougars, um, and then they will be off uh, on the road, and I will actually be venturing back to the great state of the land of Lincoln, aka Illinois, um, after that. So that's what's been going on with me. Grant has been writing things left and right on different Husker commits, and as he's shaking his head at me and and doing all sorts of stuff. But yeah. he's been busy. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's not like it, it, you know, it's not like hard labor, obviously. I mean, like, <laughs> that's not the field that either of us are working in, really. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting, you know, there's a number of different things I'm handling right now. Um, you know, last week, I think it was, what, like five stories last week? So, again, you can expect each week over at On3 Nebraska, again, shameless plug here, but uh, $1. $1 for a whole year over there right now. Uh, and then you get access to all the exclusive content, which is, you know, mainly recruiting focused. I mean, that is where you're really going to get some inside track, right? Uh, so, and of course, that'll change, you know, as we get into the season. But, uh, you know, I, I think, so we got two stories a week for me coming for Ranking the Big Ten, which is a series you got active going on right now. And um, basically, we're just kind of going by position, top five players, each position in the conference. And so... Uh, for me, it's been good because, you know, I feel like I've really got a lay of the land or starting to get, you know, as we get deeper into this um, positional ranking, uh, a lay of the land of who's good uh, at what positions and where in the league. Um, so that's cool. And, you know, getting to research that stuff 
very helpful for just my general knowledge. It'll also be helpful for your knowledge, uh, because if you go read it, you will know. Um, and you won't have to find the information that doesn't make any sense in there. Uh, so, um, so, th- so again, that stuff was a lot last week. Uh, just a couple of those, knocked those both out on Monday, and then got some recruiting stories. Baseball commit popped over the weekend or, or over the week. Got to catch up with him over the weekend. It's hard to get in contact with some of these baseball commits during the summer season just because of their busy summer schedules. You know, a lot like Connor and, and this, you know, with the, with the dogs and the semi-pro kind of format, right? Um, you know, the, the college games, the college leagues are equally busy. Uh, and again, a lot of these guys are traveling, you know, across the country, you know, some farther than others to compete in these leagues. So uh, it's hard to get a hold of some of them. Um, but, uh, Caden Brumbaugh is his name. Caden was really good at, uh, was good at getting back to me. We got that all set up on Saturday, got the story there. And then Sunday was another big visit Sunday. It was a big weekend for Nebraska on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, a little bit less bigger than a couple of weeks ago when we had Friday night lights. This is Friday night lights two, Uh, and there were seven visits in this last weekend. Three of them were commits already. Uh, so it was a little bit more chill than the 13 that came in a couple of weeks back. And there were actually supposed to be 13 guys coming in this last weekend, but a couple of things changed with that. So I uh, got to write a piece on Sam Sledge and talk to um, Tayshawn Williams, uh, or Tayshawn Wilson, rather, Tayshawn Wilson, uh, a corner, four-star corner from Texas. And that that is one thing that is kind of interesting. Uh, I think Sipple, uh, Stephen Sipple dropped some knowledge on that earlier this last week in one of our Thursday content pieces about how Nebraska is starting to dip their toe back into the Texas footprint for their recruiting. Um, and a lot of it is due to picking up running backs coach Brian Applewhite, uh, who's got some good inroads there. Again, obviously, formerly TCU. So I think that's one thing. You know, we'll talk a little bit about recruiting uh, either now or later in the podcast and some of my thoughts on that. But I, I think, if, you know, there is reason to be optimistic about certain things. Uh, and But I think that's definitely one of them, right? Because you have Mickey Joseph, who is getting Nebraska into the southeastern footprint, specifically Louisiana. Then you got Brian Applewhite, who's helping Nebraska in Texas. Uh, and then Bill Bush, who's starting to reestablish inroads in Kansas City and Kansas in that area. So... You know, you can see Nebraska as being not only more aggressive at home with in-state guys, even though they did, you know, let the McIntyre kid get away from from Fremont Bergen. Uh, they're being more aggressive in-state and out-of-state as well in some of these fertile recruiting grounds, Texas, Kansas area, and the southeast. Well, there's been a lot of the talk too about how Nebraska needs to kind of dominate the 500-mile radius when it comes to recruiting and getting those in-state guys and guys in Iowa, guys in the Dakotas, guys out west in Colorado, maybe in Wyoming, stuff like that, Illinois, uh, Missouri, Kansas, like all the surrounding states and being able to dominate kind of that geographical area will, I mean, it's, it's worked out for other teams and obviously it's worked out for Nebraska in the past with getting some homegrown guys or at least some sort of local guys. Um, so I think continuing to do that is going to hopefully help. I mean, obviously, everybody who's recruited within that area isn't going to be a carbon copy of guys that we've seen from the past. Everybody's different. But having kind of the familiarity there and guys coming from, say, Omaha or guys coming from Grand Island who know the culture of 
Nebraska football and what it means to the state and what it means to the city of Lincoln, really, um, and just kind of the the bloodline almost that it has going through the entire state and generation to generation. If you have guys that you can bring in that understand how important it is, I think that that makes it way easier for them to buy into the system, obviously. Um, and they're going to care more. And they're going to – and not that the guys on the team right now don't care. Obviously, they care. They're here for a reason. But having those guys say, oh, I've watched Husker football my entire life growing up, and now I get a chance to go throw on the shoulder pads and put on the, the scarlet and cream on Saturdays. I mean, that's that's going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Um, and I think that's what makes kind of the, the Nebraska tradition and the Nebraska program so special because it's so – you know, tight knit and guys are so familiar with it and it's so special to a lot of people. And I think if they continue to do that, I think that will work out for them in the long run. Now, obviously record wise hasn't worked out so well in the past couple of years, but obviously there's a a lot of different things that come into play. You look at the transfer portal, you look at NIL and all that is changing the landscape. Now, granted, Nebraska set up quite nicely for NIL and have been dominating the field in that, in that area. But, you know, that transfer portal is something to look out for, and it's something that's talked about every single day, and it's something that gets changed every single day. But, again, having those local guys that are already bought in before they even step in on campus is going to be a, a huge thing for this program as they, as they get ready to march forward. And, I mean, there's obviously some questions about, okay, is there going to be staff turnover here in the next couple of years? But, you know, we don't know that right now. So, uh, as of right now, I think the coaching staff is doing a good job with recruiting. Yeah, and so, look, that's kind of where you know my thought process has been this week, right? Uh, because, yes, they're doing a very good job. And there's a lot, a lot to be positive about, right? Like picking up Riley Van Poppel this last week, defensive line commit, uh, that's going to be good, right? Because the, the defensive line, uh, prior to Nebraska going hard in the transfer portal, has kind of been an area of weakness, uh, and that, that's something they really want to build up. Um, part of that is almost COVID created because you had guys like Ben Stilley and the Daniels uh, who were there for a long time, longer than you would expect. And so you didn't have to necessarily recruit that position as hard. Uh, so again, building stuff up like that, right? That's good. My thing is this, and this is why I think Husker fans, look, you can be cautiously optimistic here. And I, and I think that's something you have to constantly preach uh, it's something I have to constantly preach. Um, you know, look, there are a number of things that this staff is doing really, really well, and especially in recruiting. The problem is they all could be gone within the year. And that isn't necessarily because they don't do well. Uh, it's because, you know, individually, it's because collectively they don't, if they don't do well, right? There's a lot riding on this next season, and we talked a lot last year about how much was riding on that season. This is that times two, times three, you know, uh, and look, and all these guys, they're going to get paid, right? They're under two-year contracts. I don't know how many of them would stick around for a new head coach if things go to hell this year, but you know, that's one thing to consider, right? Because, look, the relationship building, all that stuff is positive. There is nothing to critique there uh it's all good stuff and so don't misunderstand me and think i'm saying well this is all well and good but you got to put it together on the field to a certain extent uh 
that's sort of what I'm saying, but more from the fans' perspective and in terms of managing expectations. That all this recruiting stuff is really, really good, right? There's not an official visitor that I've talked to in the last two weeks, or any of us here have talked to it on three in the last two weeks, who have had who's had a negative response, right? Everybody who's come here on their official visit has said, look, it was way more than I expected. Lincoln is not just a bunch of cornfields, right? It's a really nice college town that that kind of fits what I'm looking for. The coaches are great. They show that they care, right? All of that stuff is good stuff. But it's possible that all of those coaches could be gone within the year if this next football season doesn't turn out. So, again, be excited, be encouraged about what you're seeing, but also know it could all go to way if this next football season goes to hell. Well, and I think that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, I've told myself that I'm going to be an extreme realist over the offseason whenever I get asked about this topic. But, yeah, it's to a certain extent it is, hey, yeah, you're doing great on the recruiting show, but you got to put it together on the playing field that – one point in time because as you said if the football season goes to hell there's going to be huge change over the next offseason and guys may not be interested in coming here anymore or interests may change because the coaching staff is changing and whatnot so uh, yeah we we mentioned that all of the last offseason all last summer we talked about well this is a make or break year for Scott Frost and it felt like that for a while but then you saw the way that they were losing games and how close statistically they were to these really, really good teams, these college football playoff level teams, and just not being able to pull one out. So that kind of bought them an extra year. And I hate to like go on this topic already. It's only June. But the fact is the bowl, the bowl game appearance needs to happen this year or else it's not going to look great. Yeah, in, in the next handful of years, and it really it all starts with Northwestern in Ireland. It really does because we had this very similar situation last year, Week Zero against Illinois, and that didn't pan out the way you wanted it to. Now, granted, the season wasn't over per se after losing to Illinois, but it wasn't a great starting point, and it already puts you behind the eight ball in the Big Ten too. So this is going to be a colossal game and. Again, another storyline that we talked about all of last year is say, hey, what if we're 3-0 going into Oklahoma? Well, we're not 3-0 going into Oklahoma last year. This year, it's the same thing. You could be 3-0 going into Oklahoma. Oh, and guess what? You get them at your place this year. So I think this Northwestern game means a lot. Like, And I'm not saying Husker fans saying, okay, the, the Northwestern game is like, okay, it's Northwestern. They're, they're not very good as of, as of recently. It's going to be a huge game. I think the implications of that game, just from a big picture standpoint and an analyst standpoint, it's going to mean a lot more than maybe a a neutral fan that's looking in from the outside. Yeah, it is a big game. But in my opinion, it's different than Illinois a year ago where you had a new coach and you had some energy. Like, and, and you know Northwestern probably better than I do. But, you know, you go, Pat Fitzgerald goes 3-9, and nine, Big Ten Championship, 3-9, and nine, Big Ten Championship, right? Appearance. 3-9 uh, again this last year. Look, in my opinion, just from what I've read, this roster is not winning a Big Ten Championship in 2022. No, uh, you know, you could... <laughs> this could be old takes exposed. But this, this Northwestern team is going to be bad again, I think. 
so if Nebraska doesn't find a way to pick up that win in the beginning of the year, yeah, it's going to be a big deal. I, I, I Again, like I don't want to go as hard in the paint as we did a year ago talking about uh, how big of a deal that Illinois game was. like Because, look, time and time again, Nebraska had opportunity to salvage the season. They were 2-1 and one going into Oklahoma. They could have won that game. They could have won Michigan State. They could have won Michigan. You know, any one of those three wins, if Nebraska picks up one of those, you know, they're in a position where, you know, mentally everything is in a different spot. And then who knows what goes on down the rest of the year, right? Because they totally competed with Wisconsin and Ohio State and Iowa. So, like, you know, Nebraska was capable of winning, you know, pretty much all of their games. They just didn't, which obviously is the important part. So, you know, I I don't want to put a whole lot of stock in the Northwestern game. Now, here is where you could put some stock into it, right? Uh, The hashtag mystery metrics, right? That we don't know what Scott Frost has to do on that contract that is just between him and Trev Alberts. You know, that's another whole thing, you know, right? USA Today filing a Freedom of Information Act request for it and then getting blocked and now they're suing for that Freedom of Information Act to get whatever the mystery metrics are, which would be fascinating, right? Uh, I don't even know if anyone here cares. Like, I think people would be very interested to see it, uh, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think things will move along just fine if those don't come out. I'd be interested to see them. But, like, that is where the Northwestern game comes in big, right? Because it is a favorable schedule this next year, and if Nebraska drops one of those ones, those games before Oklahoma... I mean, that is a big deal, especially if, you know, Scott has to win seven games or eight games or seven games counting a bolt, you know, whatever the metric is, you know, any one of those games is going to be incredibly important, especially when you don't have a track record of winning and you don't have a mental track record among the guys of winning. So, you know, that, that, that is where I think you could put a lot of weight on the Northwestern game. But as far as Nebraska's season as a whole, I don't think you can just based off what happened last year, right? Because the season, as much as it felt like it was over in the moment after the disaster that happened in Champaign, it it wasn't. It wasn't. Nebraska competed throughout the entirety of the year, which you can give them credit for, um, even though they didn't do the most important thing, which is win. Yeah, and... I don't want to necessarily say that the season is over, say if they lose to Northwestern. But at the same time, what like when is the season like last year that Nebraska's had happened last? Just just like how close they were in every single ball game because I mean statistically never, I think. If I remember correctly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think and again, they lose to Northwestern. I'll say this, and this will also kind of be old takes <laughs> exposed. If they lose to Northwestern, I don't – I'm not going to say the season is over, but I have a extremely hard time seeing a bowl game in their future. They would have to pull off an upset of probably one of the back four teams on their schedule. Um, and with that being said, before the season even starts, I'm also on the train of, hey – Oklahoma could be a winnable game this year because of the amount that they've lost and you get them at your house and you, unlike Oklahoma, have that kind of culture and the majority of the coaching staff that's been in place for a handful of years now. 
I mean, the the losses that Oklahoma has endured over this offseason are unbelievable. And you lose a Heisman contender. You lose one of the better coaches in Division One college football. And granted, you're still going to be Oklahoma. They still do things the right way. But it's 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 really like a coin flip for me right now. If you lose to Northwestern, I don't see a bowl game in your future. If you beat Northwestern, Oklahoma becomes a winnable game. It's just weird for me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I get that. I get that for sure. I was just looking right now. You know, and I, they lose to Northwestern. I think there still is a path, right? Uh, you have to beat Minnesota at that point. Right. Uh, but in Minnesota, like, they're going to be, you know, they got Mo Ibrahim coming back. They got Tanner Morgan for year six. Brevin Span Ford, right, they're tight end. They're, they're tight end, Brevin Span Ford. That's someone to watch. He's huge. Six foot seven, 270. Uh, he's going to be somebody who comes back next year with a lot of experience. Uh, I mean, just think about this, right? So on our top five tight ends in the Big Ten, uh, their average amount of college football played was four years. <laughs> like, these are all fifth- and sixth-year guys for the most part. Travis Vokalek, Nebraska's tight end, who came in third on our list, uh, he has been playing college football for six years. So, you know, it, it, you, you're going to have, and you have a lot of them, I feel like, on Minnesota, especially on the offensive end. So, yeah, that game is not a cupcake. And if anything happened last year to prove that Nebraska can't count any of the, you know, Illinois obviously is one of them, right? You cannot automatically just say, yep, Nebraska's going to win that game. You can't do that with anybody. Uh, Maybe Georgia Southern and maybe North Dakota, but that's it. So uh, you're right. Like, yeah, in terms of a bowl game, the Northwestern game is pretty important. Uh, Look, I mean, every win is. So, yeah, it's. I hate I hate that it's June and we're talking about the Northwestern game, but I I think that's just I mean maybe that was inevitable, but yeah it it is, it is going to be a, a fascinating start to the year and there are some weird echoing similarities from a year ago. I guess we'll see what people have learned, right? Like Scott Frost has been given a second chance, well technically a fifth chance, uh, <laughs> you know. We'll see what's been learned, and we'll see the impact of guys like Mickey Joseph uh, and and guys like Brian Applewhite. Like from what the players say in some of their podcasts and stuff like that, from a coaching perspective, it's way different, and it's it's better. Uh, look, even Donovan Rayola, like a guy that a lot of the outside folks in the Nebraska media have doubted uh, as may, perhaps the weakest hire of. Frost's new assistants on the offensive end, you know, a lot of the offensive linemen speak very, very highly of him. So, you know, again, offseason Kool-Aid, offseason championship, sure. Uh, but, you know, from what we've heard from both recruits who have experienced, you know, face-to-face, these guys coaching them uh, a little bit, right, during their meetings and, and getting some look at film and stuff like that, to current players who have experienced these coaches. Uh, the reviews are positive, right? So, and positive in a way that's different from a year before, right? It's not just saying, oh, he's the best. Uh, and it's not just saying stuff that, like, you know, obviously a guy isn't going to go into a media appearance or a podcast and say, yes, this coach sucks. He's, he's terrible, right? That's never going to happen. But it is more than just shallow lip service i think 
So, you know, we'll see in that Northwestern game the impact of some of those new coaches on the field as well. And that is something that is worth uh, anticipating and, and being excited for and looking forward to. Yeah, that is a definitely a big reason to be excited, and I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited for this year. There's also, at least for me, a lot of reasons to be nervous for this year. And I think if you feel either way, I think that's fair. And it, obviously, I mean, it's it's college football. You're going to be excited. I mean, come on. Like, especially after last year's, you know, that being, from personal experience, my, like, first Nebraska football real experience I mean, it was great. I know they went 3-9, and nine, but just from an experience standpoint and how it was, it was awesome. So, obviously, I'm going to be excited for that. But from a, a realistic and trying to be a college football analyst, <laughs> I, it's, it's, there's a lot of things to be nervous about, but also a lot of things to be excited about. And an, another thing, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this, I think that the Northwestern game has that much more importance and the Illinois game had this importance too last year but it's a good chance to get a step up on the Big Ten West right off the bat like right off the bat and we've seen that with Northwestern when they won the Big Ten West their first time around they beat Purdue in a week zero matchup and they end up winning the Big Ten West now I'm not saying okay if Nebraska beats Northwestern they're gonna win the Big Ten West but it's a great chance to get a the first game of the year to get a big 10 win under your belt, because I think that will better prepare you for the two non-con or the three non-con games, but the two non-power five games, and then boom, you're ready for Oklahoma. So in a perfect world that happens. Uh, but I think that's why that, that game is that much more important. As Grant said too, this Northwestern team is not winning a big 10 championship this year. They will not come close to winning a big 10 championship this year. It's just how, the cookie's going to crumble there in Evanston this year with the amount of talent that they have on that roster or lack thereof, right? So uh, that's how I, I look at that game number one. On the baseball side, Grant, any newcomers to look out for, any new recruits? What's the uh, the outlook with Will Bolton, his, his program? Yeah, uh, the number to watch is 40. So 40 is the roster limit according to the NCAA. So not like not even counting scholarships. It's scholarships and walk-on. You can have 40 guys on the roster. Okay. So right now, I believe Nebraska sits in the 38-39 range uh, with the addition of uh, Mr. Mr. Brumbaugh this last weekend. So this can tell you a couple of things. One, it can help you read in a little bit to which of the super seniors could be making a return. I would anticipate of the names that we still do not know uh, the status of, uh, Efri Cervantes, Kobe Gomez, uh, Shea Shanneman, and uh, Griffin Everett, I would anticipate at most two of those guys come back. Probably one is the most likely, I think. Uh, that's just from what I'm hearing right now. And and here's the other reason Forty is important. Because they may not have a roster spot available. So, you know, and 40 in itself is a little bit complicated. Because the number of total roster spots in a normal year is 35. Um, but because of COVID, in the last three years, it's been up to 40. Now, this year, it's 35 regular spots plus 
five spots for, and here's how it's worded, seniors who lost a baseball season in 2020. Now, here's the thing. How teams define the word senior is very different. All right, it is very, very flexible. Got You can really work around that. So, again, 35 spots plus five for seniors who lost a fo- or a baseball season in 2020. So, I would expect Nebraska, I think they have one more, at least one more commit that's going to come. Uh, potentially more than that. Like, we could be looking at one to two more additions. Which would put them at 40 without the seniors and could put them actually above 40, if my math is wrong. So, I would expect, A, more people on the horizon coming to Nebraska via the transfer portal. B, that means more attrition. And whether that means guys who are currently on the active roster or uh, some of those seniors who you're like, ah, are they coming back or not? That can help you kind of answer that question. So again, the number to watch is 40. Talked with Caden uh, uh, Brumbaugh this last week. Brumbaugh comes, so he was an infielder at Oklahoma State, and he comes to Nebraska, and he will be uh, competing for outfield. So that area is really fascinating in it, in and of itself because you're going to have Garrett Angerlum and Luke Sartori, who are each returners, and then you're going to have seven new guys battling for those three outfield spots. So you're going to have nine guys total fighting for three uh, starting outfielder spots. Like, if you look at the returners, I would guess Garrett Anglum is going to be safe there. Uh, Luke Sartori is defensively the better of those two, I think. But his bat is almost unusable. Uh you know, he, he, he came up with a grand slam against Ohio State, if I remember correctly, in the only in the only Big Ten series that Nebraska won on that Sunday game, that Sunday beatdown. But again, like he just he struggles at the plate mightily. But he's very, very talented defensively. So that, that that'll be something that's fascinating. Um, but again, a lot of these guys that Nebraska brought in to compete in the outfield, along with Caden Brumbaugh from Oklahoma State, you've got Casey Burnham from Kansas. Uh, so two big twelve players there. And then you have uh, five other guys at the JUCO level. Now, some of those guys are outfielders slash pitchers, so they might not actually be literally competing for that outfield spot. Um, but it's it's a very fascinating, fascinating thing. We're going to see a fall baseball season that actually might be worth paying attention to because of how much competition there is uh, and, and how many guys are new on the squad, right? I, I think you could see... I think Max Anderson is safe, Bryce Matthews is safe, and Emmett Olsen is safe. That might be it. And even Olsen, you know, Olsen right now, as the roster sits, is probably in line to be the Friday night weekend starter going into next year. But, you know, I think that could be totally up for grabs. We don't know what position in the infield Max Anderson is going to play. Up when uh, in the Cape Cod League, he's bouncing all around third to second. I don't know where he prefers to be. Uh, Nebraska has a hole to fill at first base. Um, and then, of course, Bryce Matthews, shortstop. We know where that's at. We know what he's capable of. And we also know that things can go bad there at times, too. So it's going to be a very, very fascinating fall. I like Brumbaugh a lot because, A, it seems like he's got it from just talking to him. It seems like he's got a really, really good head on his shoulders. Um, very team-based. He's going to fit the culture well. I like that. He wants to be at Nebraska. Nebraska recruited him the first time around. 
before he chose to go to Oklahoma State, and then he decided once Nebraska called him almost immediately when his name hit the portal. Um, you know, he, it was a relatively easy decision for him to come here. But I think the most interesting thing there, his bat. He hit 318 in 22 at-bats this last year at Oklahoma State. Obviously limited, but that is going to be one thing that could give him an edge in that fall outfield competition. So, I mean, there's kind of your rundown. Again, like, watch the number 40. I would expect maybe one to two more commits before the offseason here is done and everyone gets back to school in August. And then watch for more attrition too, whether that is the seniors who are already gone uh, or anyone else who is currently on the active roster. Well, there you go. There's the complete rundown from Grant Hansen, who has known a lot more about the baseball program than I have as of late. So thank you for that. I am more informed now uh, about the Husker baseball program. Good competition is in the air at Haymarket Park, which is a good thing, too. So uh, Will Bolt making some moves in the transfer portal and over the offseason. Speaking of college baseball, the College World Series... The Men's College World Series is going on at Schwab Field, I should say Charles Schwab Field, in Omaha right now. Many of you know it as TD Ameritrade. Maybe some of you call it Rosenblatt, even though it's literally not the same physical structure. But you know what? I'm a beginner here, so I, I don't know what you Omaha people think. But No one does uh, it. No we've one had does that. Some, nobody, nobody's still stuck on Rosenblatt? No. Oh, no. Everyone loved Rosenblatt from, uh, you know, and it... So, I mean, the debate there, right, is like the Women's College World Series in, in Stillwater, isn't it? No, it's not. It's in Oklahoma. It's in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, yeah. So it's got that kind of college ballpark, homey feel, right? You know, once right. they went to TD Ameritrade and now Charles Schwab, it became much more big league slash corporate, which for some people, some people like that, some people don't. But I think... You know that's why there really is no difference for folks in the mind in their minds between, or rather, there is a distinct difference between Rosenblatt and TD Ameritrade slash Charles Schwab um, because of that, you know, cultural sort of divide um, and and environmental divide between the two environments. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. But the teams that were in the initial field of eight were A&M, Oklahoma, Texas, Notre Dame, Stanford, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss. As it stands right now, Oklahoma and Notre Dame played last night. Oklahoma won that game. Notre Dame will play Texas A&M in an elimination game. A&M beat Texas yesterday. So Texas is the first team out. So I'm sure a lot of people in the state are very, very happy about that. Arkansas and Ole Miss are set to play tonight at 6 p.m., and then the loser of that game will play the winner of Stanford and Auburn at 6 p.m. on Tuesday uh, at Charles Schwab Field. So right now, and this to begin the tournament, I had Notre Dame and Arkansas are kind of the two che- two teams I'm cheering for. Um, I don't. I'm not as informed enough in college baseball to make it like a very accurate winners prediction. I was just. I've been watching this postseason for pure entertainment, and it's been very entertaining. Uh, but those are my two teams that I would root for right now. And I know we're going on Tuesday. I kind of hope to see Arkansas. I would like to see Arkansas play, especially after last year, just to see them in person. Uh, but so far, uh, some of these games have been like extremely lopsided, and some of them have been pretty good and pretty weird. 
but who are who are your teams that either you're picking to win or just cheering for? Look, I think you know this is weird. I think it's going to be Arkansas uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, just the mental switch that they were able to flip uh, following you know the beginning of the postseason in the SEC tournament that wasn't really something they wanted. Uh, I, I think you know I think that is something that is driving them right now and they've got it they've got the switch flipped to the right direction <laughs> so uh I, I like arkansas uh there's something weird now like last year i was definitely not a fan of the woo pig suey called the hogs thing uh <laughs> this year there's like a weird fascination about it for me uh i don't know it's hard to describe it's just it's just weird uh, and it looks kind of cool, especially with some of the way they've they've shot it with the cameras and so uh, Arkansas I like. Um, it's it actually hasn't been that entertaining <laughs> in my opinion. Like I think the closest game we've had in terms of run differential is four four runs, uh, and I think there have been two. Well, games I'm that talking have been four about like games. regional super regionals too. And those were great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have not had like a truly close nail biter of a game yet. Uh, we've had games that have started well. I mean, Oklahoma Notre Dame started out really well last night. I mean, they didn't score until I think, I think Oklahoma scored first in the bottom of the third and they're dangerous. Don't get me wrong. Like Oklahoma is also in a spot right now where, you know, they feel invincible. Uh, so it's, yeah, it is, it's fun. It is a fun time of the year. Even if the games aren't good, it still is fun. I think. Now, as somebody who's never been, what should I expect going in my first? Like, is there any places I need to go? Are there anything like any special things I need to do? I forgot you were coming Tuesday. Um, You know, I I don't know. It was funny. I think a couple of years back, because okay, so here's I mean some weird things that happen. Like, folks will just give you tickets. Like we had a we had a spot. You know, we had tickets given to us a couple of years back. And we were sitting really up, I mean, up front behind home plate, all that jazz. And these Auburn fans got eliminated, and they had really good seats for the rest of the CWS, and they just gave us their tickets. Now, we couldn't go apart from that next day. But literally, all we had to do was find a ticket on the outside to get into the stadium and then go sit in their seats. So we went out and we scalped, and we tried to get some good tickets. I think we paid like 20 bucks, 25 bucks on the outside for, for tickets. Um, which is equivalent, I believe, with what we pay now, uh, with, with the end of general admission, which I hate, uh, and I think a lot of people hate. Uh, but so we, we just got back in, we went right to their seats. So I think that's part of the, the experience that I enjoyed was just going around and negotiating with folks outside TD Ameritrade at the time uh, and, and haggling for tickets. I thought that was fun. Uh, Black Beer and Table... That's up right by the stadium. Uh, that's a good place. Good burgers. Uh, good views. Um, so that's a good place to hang out in between games. Although you're just coming down for the one. So I, I don't know. I like walking around. You know, they've got good stuff set up outside. I think that's worth it. Now, be- considering it's a bajillion degrees, <laughs> I don't know how fun that'll be. That but, is also true. Know. Yeah, it is really hot in the state of Nebraska, so hopefully we won't get fried out there. But, you know, it is what it is. It's summertime. It's baseball. It's supposed to be like that anyway. But 
Yeah, I've only been to Omaha for one sporting event in which was a DePaul Creighton basketball game that <laughs> we were both present at, as well as a bunch of our friends. So that's the only Omaha sporting event experience that I've ever had, and that was at the, is what I like to call it, the Shy Health Center, even though it's the CHI Health Center. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I've driven by Charles Schwab Field a bunch. Um, never been able to go in it, um, but it, it looks like a really cool stadium. And it's it's also really weird to see all these, like, influencers and, like, Peyton Manning's there, Kyler Murray's there, and they're, like, and they're even closer to where you're at right now, but just watching on TV, like, oh, these guys are in the same state as I am about, like, 45, 50 minutes away. It's, like, uh, that's so cool. And, like, we're going to be there tomorrow um, at, at the same place that they are. So the, the really, it really is like people have described it as almost like a week long party, but like it, it kind of is, at least from what I've seen on social media and TV. So I don't know. I'm, I'm super excited to go. Yeah. Yeah. Excited that, that you're coming down and we're going to get to enjoy that together tomorrow. So, uh, the only, like I said, the only negative right now is the stupid end of GA. You used to be able to get in pre COVID to like every game for like 10 bucks i had um i wish <laughs> yeah and it's it but like it, it's good because it, it my problem with getting rid of it is it takes away from college baseball's ability to share the game with more people uh to share the game with younger folks right because you know you're eight-year-old kid probably isn't going to the game because he loves baseball so much i'm sure there's some that are but i think a lot of folks go for the experience of it and then they get hooked sometimes right so i i and it's harder to pull the ticket you know pull the trigger on that for 30 bucks ahead i I think for us at 30 dollars to go to a game i don't think that's that bad you know but if you're a family of four a family of five and it's a bajillion degrees out and it's 30 bucks you're probably like no i'll pass yeah, you know, yeah. I wish that it was ten bucks. I mean, right now it's cheaper to go sit in GA at the Cubs game at, at Wrigley in the bleachers than it is to go to the College World Series. But you know, that's just how I guess it works out. And you know, it's the NCAA at certain points too. They like to you know drag money out of everybody. But we all know we all know about that. But once again, it should be a fun experience. The only postseason I've been to for NCAA stuff is the. NCAA tournament for basketball. Never been to a bowl game, so th- this will be a lot of fun, and, and I'm looking forward to it. And I encourage everybody listening to go at least check it out. I mean, that it, would be cool. Um, so it, it seems like a really fun time, and uh, you can't expect any live episodes from there, unfortunately. Sorry, but you know maybe next year we'll make that happen. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, I mean that's all I got, Grant. I don't know if you want to pitch in anything else. Yeah, I'm good. It, it's been a Good week. This is kind of the end of the sports year, right? Uh, the sports new year begins uh, when the CWS ends. Uh, and then it's turn the page to football, and that's a week away. So uh, wild times, wild times. Uh, but all of a sudden, August is really close. Like, June is almost over. I don't understand how that happened, but it did. So here we are. Yeah, June is flying by. The 4th of July is almost here, which is crazy to think about as well. But that will do it for us on episode number 88 of Husker Sports Weekly. Once again, go check out all of Grant's stuff on On3 covering Nebraska. And be sure to 
If you're in the Lincoln area, maybe make your way out to a Salt Dog game every once in a while. Or you could listen on ESPN Lincoln, you know, just as as Grant mentioned earlier, shameless plug in there as yes. well. Uh, but, yeah, lots of lots of fun things happening in the state of Nebraska right now, in the city of Omaha, in the city of Lincoln. As Grant mentioned, the sports new year, at least collegiately, is coming up at the end of this College World Series. It is almost the 4th of July. We will have another episode for you before then. Uh, so I can promise you that. But, yeah, Grant's going to be writing more stuff. Salt Dogs with a seven-game homestand coming up starting Friday. Um, and we'll have a lot more things to talk about with you at the end of the week. So we'll keep you posted on that. But once again, that will do it for us on episode number 88 of Husker Sports Weekly. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar for your favorite or on your favorite podcast networks to find our show. So once again, we thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you later in the week. But until then, go Big Red.